come tonight, come tonight to our first ever night of worship. And, t- and Tyler is going to explain everything as we go into the night of worship. But come, come tonight not expecting anything but an audience of one. You and him. Come with that perspective. Come with that point of reference. And I'm going to leave the rest of it to you. I'm going to leave the rest of that to Tyler. My Lord, have mercy. Don't forget, if you're going to go do the drive-by, which is a very weird name, with us down to Stacy and Angelus, meet us immediately after service. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. Hmm. I felt the Holy Spirit all day. All day. And the enemy tried to interrupt that audience early today. But the reality is is that he is more than a conqueror. In us, making us more than conquerors. And I don't know if you know this, but greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Look at those first three words. May God Himself, may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. How much responsibility to sanctify is that leave for you to do? That's not deep theology. May God Himself sanctify you through and through. It's not even five minutes after 11. And I'm sorry if this takes a while today. I'm sorry. But it may just take a while today. May your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept what? Blameless at verse 24, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 24. We've just had a descriptive verse. A verse that vividly describes what events, what things are going to occur at the hand of God Himself. Okay? Now look at what is next written. The one who calls you is faithful. In other words, 
You don't have to fret about what I just told you. You don't have to worry if this is actually going to happen because He will do it. How many of you live a life where sometimes your life and your living just doesn't measure up to these godly concepts, constructs, frameworks, and ideas that the church puts on us and we just are living like... Well, I failed God then. I really screwed that up. Boy, did I just fail the divine. (laughs) Jay, go back to first verse, 23. May God Himself... What did we talk about a month and a half, two months ago, whatever it was? The redemption of mankind is already won. All of mankind, all of it in its totality, history past, present, and history future. Is there such a thing as history future? That's all redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. All of it is done. The only responsibility that we have is to acknowledge the fact that we are lost. That we are filled with darkness and sin. And that one way, through the only begotten of the Father, Father, full of grace and truth, we acknowledge Him as Lord and as Savior. And redemption moves into the, to the framework of salvation. And we then and then alone are the property of God the Father. And what we fail to grasp, Jeff, is that suddenly we think or we've been taught or we're told that now all of a sudden, us, those of us who recognize the fact that we are disaster areas in shoe leather, that we are riddled with our own humanity, and sometimes we just fail at being good little boys and girls. It's not that we want it. It's that it's what we are. And that we are on a journey. A journey from being lost to the uttermost to being transformed into the image of the Son of God. We have to recognize that's a journey. That is a journey. And sometimes along that journey, we end up looking more like what we were in the flesh than what He is in the Spirit. We have to recognize that. And sometimes we have to realize that we do say, act out, have desires, have, have motivations, etc. that come from a place that we don't even know. How many of you have ever been there? You act out, you say this, you do that, and it, find, it, it, it surfaces from a place that you don't even know where that came from. 
As a matter of fact, it's almost a catchphrase anymore. I don't know where that came from. But in reality, there are places that we don't even know where that came from. And when we look to Him, having already been redeemed, when we look to Him and acknowledge Him as the only way I'm going to make peace with God is through Jesus Christ and His vicarious death and that, that, that blood that was shed on Calvary for me and acknowledge the fact that I am lost and that He is the one way back to God. The only begotten of the Father. When we acknowledge that, we are children of God. We become children of God. Now tell me something. All you parents, aunts, uncles, whatever you are, even if you don't have kids of your own, how many of you have been around children? And I know this analogy is old as the hills. You've been around children. Your love for them is beyond description. Can we relate to that? And your love for them is beyond description, despite the fact that when they're brand new, they still make these lovely packages called diapers all over themselves. And oh, if you want to see a very visual mess, feed one. Past the bottle stage, because when they're in the bottle stage, that's not quite as messy until you have them over your shoulder. Patting them on the back. And then, then it seems like, you, you little fool, what are you doing back there? It's all down my back. And yet, you pull them up and you look into their eyes and you cannot believe that they're yours. And as they get older and you put them in high chairs and you start trying to feed them, and the food, it's such a small target. It's right there. There's not even teeth to get in the way yet. There's nothing but pink gumminess. And it should go right in. So why, if it should go right in, is it not only all over their face, their hands, the tray on the high chair, you the one feeding them, etc., etc.? What? And yet, you look at that. It's in their hair. In their ears. I'm sorry, Mom. Give me just a second. I want to hear what Gerber's taste sounds like. And yet, we look at them. And we can't believe our eyes. We cannot believe that they're ours. We cannot believe it. And I don't mean 
I cannot believe that you are mine. As a matter of fact, you are so messy. And what you're doing down south right there, that smells so bad. Uh, I'm trading you in for a new model. I'm going to put you on eBay. I'm going to do something. And someone's going to pick you up. I don't know for parts. I don't know. But the bottom line is, is I need one that doesn't smell so bad, that doesn't look so bad, because food, it, food, food. And we, and, and we don't just dispose of them. Because what is, the, what is it about a baby that they're doing when they mess themselves and they wet themselves and they vomit all over you? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the politically incorrect way, say, way of saying they spit up. Their food is everywhere. They make it absolutely. As a matter of fact, it's the, new, it's the thing anymore to give your one-year-old, your two, you give them a whole baby cake and just watch them lay waste to the landscape. It's the thing. Oh, isn't this fun cleaning all this chocolate cake and frosting up? No! And this is what we do as parents. We are... Our love for those babies. What are the babies doing? They're being themselves. And as we teach them... They stop putting food in their ears. They stop needing a bib. They actually use a commode. Okay, some of them do. And these these ones, despite everything, and, and, and don't even talk to me about getting them into teenage years. Oh, someone just went, oh. I have boys. I think, I think I would find a tall building or bridge to jump off if I had daughters. My boys are very easy. Very easy. And I'm grateful for that because they outweigh me by a lot. And to put on a bluff, you know how dad, you know how we talk about we have to put the bluff on our sons? The bluff fades really fast when you go, if I have to come up there. I mean, they're up there going, dad, just stop embarrassing yourself. But they're being themselves, working through Everything from learning how to not use the restroom on themselves to navigating things like adult relationships. They're just being themselves. And guess what? So are we. But the interesting thing about that relationship, parent, parent to child, is tell me. Tell me if I'm wrong, Tyler. You give your life for Andy. Did you see that? He didn't even flinch. As a matter of fact, it's almost like he telepathically knew where I was going. He's like, oh, yeah. Well, guess what? Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound familiar? God himself. (laughs) Check this out. You realize that he's the God of peace. 
Do you realize he doesn't want anything but peace? He wants rest and quiet for your life. That's what that word means. He wants the God of rest, the God of quiet, will sanctify you. You know what that? He says the God himself will sanctify you. God himself will make you holy. God himself will make you holy. And then he says through and through. The, King, the new King James Version uses the word completely. Completely. In other words, there are no parts of you that are not holy. And He's going to make sure of it. Did you catch that? Mm. And then He says, then the, then the writer says, May your whole spirit, may your whole complete in every part, every part of your spirit, every part of your soul, every part of your body. Do you realize those three things right there make up what you are as a human being that He designed and created you as spirit, soul, and body? He says, I'm going to make all of you, every bit of you, every last part of you, every molecule, every atom, every cell is going to be holy, and I'm going to make sure it's holy. That's what He says. Are you all getting this? May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept. Be kept. It's interesting what the word kept here means. It means to guard from loss and injury. How? By keeping an eye on. Did you catch that? He wants you to be kept. Your spirit, your soul, and your body, all three of them, your entire being being kept. That is, that is to be guarded from loss or injury by Him keeping an eye on you. Now, for some people, that could be a little scary with God keeping an eye on you. That's not what this intent is. Listen, this is what His intent is. And I'm coming back here a little bit later. Listen to this. This is Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. If you want to know what Him keeping His eye on you so that you are, the next word, blameless, watch this. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Now, right there in the NIV where it says, to me, how precious to me, that is literally translated concerning me. How precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When He says that He's going to make you holy, every part of your being holy, and He's going to do so by keeping an eye on you and guarding you against loss and injury, that's why you can count on that. Because His thoughts concerning you are so numerous that the sand can't even keep up by number with how often and how frequently He thinks about you. Sand can't even keep up. Sand gets everywhere. 
It doesn't get in His count. He's thinking about you far more than that. He says, your whole spirit, soul, and body kept what? Blameless. Blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, God Himself, is going to make sure you are blameless. Now, and then they finish it up. The apostle finishes it up. The one who calls you, the word calls there literally means named. So this isn't a blanket shotgun. I'm calling you all. Mm -mm. I'm calling you, Kim. I'm calling you, Angie. Ambria, I'm calling you. Ron, I'm calling you. And when we're done here, you'll stand before my son blameless, and I'm going to see through it. I want to focus for just a moment on the word whole. Just for a moment. Because the word whole here goes to the root of this message. Everything. The whole thing. I understand. Every one of us here, if I were to ask you one by one to stand up and define the word whole, every one of you could. I mean, let's be honest. It means entire. All of it. Whole. Right? (laughs) Many, many, many years ago, there was an ad campaign that best kind of illustrates this. The ad campaign was for the the product Elka-Seltzer. And that ad campaign entire er, focused its entire commercial campaign around one word. Watch this. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. No, Ralph, I ate it. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Take two Alka-Seltzer. Alka-Seltzer neutralizes all the acid your stomach has churned out. For your upset stomach and headache, take Alka-Seltzer and feel better fast. Did you drink your Alka-Seltzer? The whole thing. Do you realize there are people that quote that commercial who have never seen it before? I grew up with that commercial. And it is a phrase. It's just, I can't believe I ate that whole thing. We know exactly, that was Milt Moss, by the way, that actor, Milt Moss. We know just if we had never, ever, ever even heard of Milt Moss, when we play that commercial, we know exactly what he was talking about. There was an entire something that he ingested. He ate all of it, and now he's paying for it. And he needs Alka-Seltzer. And his wife, what a blessing. Such an encourager. The Greek word whole means complete in every part, perfectly sound. Complete in every part, perfectly sound. 
you're going to stand before Jesus Christ at His return perfectly complete in every part. Perfectly sound. Now I want to stop right here for just a moment and tell you, I want it clear. I am not a seeker-sensitive preacher. I am not. I simply preach the way I preach because I want you to get a deeper understanding of what God's Word says about you. And so when I say God Himself is going to make you holy, all of you complete in every part, and you're going to stand before Him perfectly sound. I'm not trying to stroke you and let you know you don't have to do anything. Where's my button? <clears throat> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. That's not what this is about. If it was, what I'm telling you would be my words. They're not. They're His. Yes? They're His. Complete in every part. How do we, you and I, for crying out loud, people living in this world, a corrupt, darkening, ever-darkening place, how do we end up blameless before Him at His return, holy, perfectly complete? Well, I think we've already covered that. The One who calls you. The one who named you is faithful, verse 24, and he will do it. In our case, ladies and gentlemen, it's one thing to acknowledge him as Savior and our need of him to save us so that we can be in right relationship with God through him. It's one thing to acknowledge and admit that. It's another thing to become something that suddenly can be in the presence of God. Those are two different animals. Two different things that, ladies and gentlemen, one thing, the first thing, we can do that. The second thing, we have no capacity. As a matter of fact, if you'll remember weeks and weeks ago, I stated the fact. We didn't ask to be here. We didn't ask to be lost in sinful darkness. We didn't want this life. We would rather, who wants to be in chaos and darkness with a death sentence hanging over your head? Who wants it? Raise your hand. Nobody Good. You proved my point. We don't want any of that, but we've got it. And so how do we fix that? Well, guess what? We don't. He did. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, He redeemed mankind. And what we do, look at me. And I wish I had a giant mirror up here, or at least one of those cameras that we could just go, and all your faces end up here. Because what I'm doing this morning is what you have to do every day of your life as well, and that is resort 
to the foolishness of preaching so that they might know the way. I've asked this question I don't know how many times. How many of you in this church were of among the morally lost? Now, how many of you were among the immorally lost? Both of us are lost. It's just some of us have come a long way further. And that doesn't make us better. Trust me. Trust me. God Himself, may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless, perfectly sound. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, And who does it? Who does that for us? May God Himself. First Thessalonians. God Himself will make sure that we are complete in every part. Perfectly sound when we appear before Him. Now this is where we have to revert back to the very beginning of when I took the pulpit. God Himself will make sure that we are complete in every part, perfectly sound when we appear before Him, even if that means that He is going to make us holy, that He is going to keep us blameless on a level and in places that we simply cannot access, that we cannot reach, and that we may not even know exists in us. He will keep us blameless. This is not something that we can do for ourselves. If we could, if we could do that, we wouldn't need redemption through the cross of Jesus Christ. But we can't, so we do. Remember? <laughs> Remember when I said, it's almost become a joke? I don't know where that came from. Maybe you don't know where that came from. He does, and he goes there for you. Oswald Chambers said it best when he said this. The great mysterious work of the Holy Spirit is in the deep recesses of our being, which we cannot reach. I don't know about you, but when I first came to that revelation, it about blew my mind. Don't have a lot of mind to blow. But hey, any bind is better than no mind. And as we've been told, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. When I realized that the work of Jesus Christ goes so far beyond the parts of our life and our living that we acknowledge, oh yeah, that's bad. Boy, I need Jesus to take care of that. Traffic. We all know this. Traffic. 
Boy, I need Jesus. The other day, Riley and I were up in the Metroplex. He had to have a follow-up meeting with his surgeon. And we had a couple other stops to make. And this little old woman, I'm assuming she's from Pasadena. Somehow or another merged in front of me. Jocelyn, it was not pretty. She got up in front of me and she's in an equally little car. A little woman in a little car. Visions of monster trucks flooded my brain. And I'm literally, and I, I catch myself doing this. I literally, in the windshield, and I said, I don't even know what I said. That's how thoughtless and brainless this carnal stuff is. My son, sitting next to me in the, in the sequoia, laughed and looked at me and said, you do have problems with traffic, don't you? <laughs> Those are the things I know about. What's the matter for you? Are you stupid? This is the fast lane. Don't you see the size of my vehicle? I can make you a road pizza. This is the stuff that I know because it just comes blurting out of my face. You all have that stuff. Just like me. I'm the one that gets to make it comical. But you think it's comical because you recognize it in you. That's not all God touches. Because that nonsense in me That carnality, that aggression, that anger, that frustration. Label it with whatever you want. It comes from somewhere that I don't know. And he said, I'm God. Me, myself, am going to make sure you get before my son blameless and complete. Your spirit your soul, and your body. The great mysterious work of the Holy Spirit is in the deep recesses of our being which we cannot reach. I'm going to read some Scripture and I realize what time it is. And I realize that I've been here for 30 minutes already. I get it. And I still have half a sermon to preach. I'm serious. We, Thank you. Now, if after service, Tim, you contact me and need a funeral for your wife because all these people killed her, I'm just going to tell you, Gary will do it. Gary Gary is a master at that. Listen to Psalm 139. Listen. Listen to this. This is the psalmist speaking to God. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with 
all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. So when you think you're getting away with something, you ain't. But that's, again, not the context here. You hem me in. What does that mean? He's protecting you. You hem me in behind and before, and you have, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. In other words, I don't even understand this love and this, this knowledge that you have of me and care over me. I don't even get this. It's so huge. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. In other words, if I get up in the morning and fly all the way across the sea and light somewhere, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become and the light become night around me. In other words, I can hide in the dark. Those of you with lost folk, those of you with lost people, even in the darkness. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We've already read verses 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts. How precious concerning me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would be out. They would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake, I'm still with you. Now let's jump all the way to the end. Verse 23. Search me. This is what we're talking about this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know about you. But according to the psalmist, he's got us covered, called by name. I've called you. I have you. I will make you holy. And you will be blameless when Jesus shows up. It's as if the psalmist was saying things like this. Oh, Lord, you are the God of the early mornings, the God of the late nights the God of the mountain peaks and the God of the sea. But, my God, my soul has horizons further away than those of early mornings. Deeper darkness than the nights of the earth. Higher peaks than any mountain. Greater depths than any sea. You are, you are the God of all these. You are the God of all these. Then it's like the psalmist says, just be my God. I need you in those places where I can't go, where I can't flee. I can't 
find. I cannot even so much as apprehend the concept behind them. I need you to be my God. I cannot reach to the heights or the depths. There are motives that I simply cannot discover. Dreams that I simply cannot realize. God, search me. Be my God. Question. Do we believe that God can sanctify and protect our our thoughts and our motives, even our comings and goings far beyond what we can even trace, far beyond what we can even do and where we can go, far beyond what we even know resides inside of us because our text tells us in 1 John 1 and 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from what? All sin. Guys, that should be exciting. Because I think this is exciting to me because I am so acutely aware of who and what I am without Him. I think that's the thing. I know what I am separate from Christ. If this verse simply meant that He is going to cleanse us only on the, like I've already discussed, the superficial conscious level, well then God help us. Because there's a lot more to us than just, well, I just got mad at that little old lady in that little old car. There's a lot more. But the cleansing from sin we experience through Jesus' blood will reach to the heights and it will reach to the depths of our spirit if, if we will just do one little thing. We're already redeemed. We've already acknowledged our need for Jesus as a Savior. All we need to do now is walk in the light as He is in the light. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in the second half of verse 17. I'm going to go through 19. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that's important. Being rooted and established in love, that is your position that establishes the rest of this, these verses. You being rooted and established in love. In other words, you accept the fact that God so loved you that He gave His only Son. Rooted and established in love. That you, listen here, look at here, may have power. Now, we're Pentecostals in this church. And, and we believe in the manifest power of the Holy Spirit. Now, look at me closely. That is not what that means. That power isn't about dunamis. That isn't about miraculous healing power. 
manifest gifts. That's not what that is. I pray that you may have power along with the rest of the church, together with all the Lord's holy people, the re- you and all of the church, that you have power to do what? Lay hands on the sick and they recover? No. Lay hands on people and cast out demons? No. That you may have power to speak in tongues and then interpret? Give words of wisdom and work? No. That you may have power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. The apostles praying power on you just to be able to grasp the infinite boundaryless love of God in your life. How many Christians go through their lives psychologically bawling a little old lady in a little old car that pull out in front of them and think that they've failed God and then they beat themselves up for the next hour. Well, I failed. I'm going to have to go say four Hail Marys, three Our Fathers, sign of the cross with holy water. Yes, I used to be Catholic. You figure that part out? That tells me that I don't think a whole bunch of us really grasp, nor do we have the power about how wide and how long and how high and how deep the love of Christ is for us. Because we have to go back to the baby in the diapers and in the high chair. Where are you on that line? Where are you in that growth process? You don't fail when you poop your pants with a diaper on it or throw up all over someone's burp rag or put cake all over your face and throw food all over the floor because you're 18 months old. You failed no one. You fail when you don't accept Him as your Lord and Savior. clap. You fail when you don't acknowledge His redemptive plan for your life. Not when you're a human being trying to grow and become more mature in Him and it doesn't always work out every single time. Why do we need to have that power? Why do we need to grasp these dimensions that are dimensionless? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? It's supernatural. Why do we need that power? Why do we... So that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
Do you realize that there are people sitting in this room right now whose measure that they are filled with God is a teaspoon? That's your measure. You have a measure that's a teaspoon. That may be because of your spiritual age. That may be because of self-condemnation. That may be because of the devil. But you have a, a, a teaspoon. Maybe, maybe some of you are filled with the knowledge and fullness of God, but your measure is half a cup. Some of you may have, you may have gotten up to a gallon. Woohoo! A gallon. Everybody together. Really mature folk, you're walking around with a Home Depot five-gallon bucket full of God. Look at what I got. And every last one of us, we either lack the power to grasp or our measure is so wrong. We don't and we are not filled to His measure of His fullness. Because if we were, if we were, Ronnie, that's right. That's right. There is nothing that we could not bear. Nothing that we could not face. No hardship, trial, or crisis that we would not know how to navigate because (laughs) we're rooted and we're established in love. Whose love? That one. That one down here. Last word right in front of the period. His love. We have the power to grasp the vastness of His immeasurable love. But so frequently... So frequently, our measure is a tablespoon or a shot glass. And it comes nowhere near the dimensions of God's love. There's an old song, and I'm not going to sing it. I think you got a taste of why I don't sing just a little while ago. It's an old southern gospel song that I heard when I was a teenager, and I had never heard it before. And I was still in Traverse City, Michigan, and I was at a church called Maranatha Temple, Pentecostal Church of God. It's now Mount Zion Family Worship Center, but that's neither here nor there. At the time that I heard this song, um, my pastor was Don Dennis. Now, you don't know Don Dennis, uh, but Brother and Sister Johnson just preached for Don Dennis just not long ago at all. They were up in Michigan and preached for Don Dennis. Don Dennis was my pastor at the time. And he had invited a friend of his to come and preach some services for him, I guess revival. And that friend's name was Joe Skiles Sr. Now, those of you who have been around a while will recognize the last name. It's T.J. Skiles, our former youth pastor, his uncle. Joe Skiles came and preached for Brother Dennis and he, pray, he, he, he was a singer. All the Skiles, the brothers, were singers. Um, and 
he came and he sang this song called, and it's the Southern Gospel song. Some of you are going to know it. It's called The Secret Place. There's a line, the, the lyric of the chorus, and it's just the first line of the chorus. It's all it is. That, when I was very young, I heard that line. I heard Brother Skiles sing that line. And I don't even know why, and I wouldn't know why for decades, why that line hit me so hard. But it hit me, and I've always remembered that line. Didn't even remember the name of the song or anything else about it. I just remembered this line, and that line says this. There's a secret place in my heart where even I don't go. I've never heard anything like that in my life. There's a secret place in my heart where even I don't go. Now, the song takes it out of context at that point from what I'm talking about this morning, but that's neither here nor there. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a place in our hearts where we don't even know it is. We don't know that it resides there. We don't know the things that live there. We know some of the things that live there. Put First Thessalonians or verse twenty three up. But the mysterious, glorious working of the Holy Spirit is where He ventures into the parts of us that we don't even know. And God Himself will make us holy completely through and through. And our entire whole spirit, soul, and body will be kept blameless. Next slide. At the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you question that, know this, that the one who calls you, the one who's named you, is faithful. And He will do it. Stand with me this morning.